You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It is probably wintry shall we say, wherever you are today. We're expected, by the time you guys hear this, we're expected to have some serious snowfall here in Start Vegas. Uh, the first thing that I want to share with all of you guys is that I hope you're well. I hope that you're safe. And if you have to get out, and uh, I know many of you that uh, you don't have much of a choice, you work a, uh, a job that requires you uh, to be there under all circumstances, I hope that uh, it's you're safe. I hope that you continue to be safe and that everybody you love is safe. It's a good chance we're not going to have school this week in uh, the Starkville area. Uh, classes Monday and Tuesday will be held virtually. Campuses are closed. Uh, I don't know what Mississippi State's going to do later in the week, but uh, we're expected to get another round of this later in the week, Thursday or Friday. And so I would su- probably suggest that uh, we're not going to have school, at least not for uh, you know for, for school-age kids. You know, there may be some college courses you take or whatever, but uh, you know, one of the things that I think some of our maybe our our listeners forget is that many of our students at Mississippi State do not live on campus. They live off campus, or they're perhaps they're commuters from somewhere in the Golden Triangle or somewhere within our region, and so it is very dangerous for them to take the road. So let me encourage you: use your best judgment. I know many young people are not familiar with uh, you know driving in wintry weather. Many adults aren't either. One of the things that blows my mind is how people will uh, continue to keep their foot on the gas when they get ready to pass over a potentially icy bridge. It's part of the deal. Be smart. Take your foot off the gas. Take your foot off the gas. But if at all possible, I encourage you to stay home. Many of you won't have a choice. The uh, businesses that you work for are going to be closed. And uh, we began to see closings today around 3 o'clock in Starkville. That is on Sunday. I'm recording this, of course, uh, just after midnight on Monday morning. So you'll have this again, and I've had people reach out and say, Steve, uh, appreciate you burning the midnight oil for us. And uh, our listenership, of course, is up, as, as always, this time of year, as we prepare for baseball. And uh, speaking of baseball, I mean, many of you are concerned what, what happens this weekend in Arlington. I'm told they're going to make a decision probably today about that. The concern is not 
the venue. A lot of people say, "Well, I don't understand. You know, it's gonna they can close the roof and everything else. That's all true, but we still all have to get there. You know, we've got to get there. There are a lot of traveling concerns. You know, Thursday is expected to be another day of uh, snow and wintry precipitation, and that could really impact a lot of our fans and people that are traveling to go watch the ball game. Some of our baseball families, and so there is a possibility that we don't play baseball this weekend. And I know that's a big downer for everybody. I, I understand that it's a downer for me too. But at the same time, I look at this and I begin to think, okay, I've made my hotel reservations. I've got my credentials requested. Uh, can we get there safely? I don't worry about getting home safely, but can we get there safely? We're expected to play or scheduled to play Friday at 11, which means it makes Thursday a travel day. And the, the conditions uh, for travel are not expected to be favorable for travel. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on today, too, as you kind of go throughout your work day. So if you hear that they have canceled this weekend's baseball uh, tournament there at Global Life Field in Arlington, the home of the Texas Rangers, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. I, I, I wonder, too, if, you know, even if they decide to go ahead and play, you know, should we make the trip to go cover it? And it's not because I don't want to be there, because I want to be there more than anything. I, I didn't get to uh, attend Mississippi State's uh, last two games last year in Biloxi. We were in Nashville at the time at the uh, 247 Sports SEC Annual Publishers Convention. And so, as a result, you know, Mike Neiman and I had to kind of go up there and watch the game on the phone. And, and I was eager uh, to get back and cover that Arkansas series, as you guys were as well. And then the world went crazy. And so, I'm ready to see some baseball. But uh, at the same time, I don't want any of our fans or other teams' fans to put themselves at risk. And I know that that is a big concern with the event organizers as they kind of move this thing forward. You know, I'm almost at a point, too, where, uh, you know, if they could get the teams there and we could cover this thing remotely, I'd almost be okay with that. But uh, there are many of you that I know that have made arrangements and preparations to go attend this game. You've purchased tickets, and you're thinking, you know what, I'm going to be there come hell or high water. Well, the last thing we want is to find you along the interstate somewhere on I-20 you know, in a ditch somewhere because the road conditions deteriorated to the point that you weren't able to make it. So be mindful of that today. I guess it could linger into Tuesday. And they've got to make some decisions and get up there and, and uh, begin practicing around midweek. And so you probably have a little bit of a window there to see how this uh, snowmageddon thing is going to go. Because a lot of people have told us that this is a winter storm for the ages. And we in the South, it's not necessarily that uh, – we can't handle it. It's just that the infrastructure is not really built to prepare uh, for that kind of uh, snowfall. So there could be some real issues there. So listen today. Kind of keep mindful at jeanspage.com. Keep your eye on Twitter. Uh, there could be an announcement today about this weekend's games. I don't know what's going to happen yet. I don't think anybody does. I think they'll kind of wait and see what, what happens and how this storm system begins to move. And, you know, perhaps maybe that um, it gets on out of here. Perhaps the jet stream changes. We've got some very, very well-educated meteorologists out there that attended Mississippi State University. So we will uh, trust their judgment because we know they're well-educated, right? So that's kind of where we are with that. Be mindful of that uh, as you move throughout the day today. And, again, if, you, if at all possible, please stay home. Please. I know many of you are probably listening to this show from home. Uh, we've got everything on a charger here. We don't know what's going to happen. I am happy to say that we did not get uh, the weather that many people anticipated for us on Sunday. We did get 
uh, you know, some sleet and some things like that. And there were some, um, you know, shall we say, icy road conditions for a while. But uh, it is now pretty much just kind of a cold night in Starkville. Uh, there is no precipitation. There was a chance of some heavier snow earlier. We did not get that. That did not happen. And so maybe tomorrow things are a little bit less than forecasted. But uh, I think it's smart to err on the side of caution. Because, again, you know, we only have one life to live. And I'm not a guy that lives in fear. But at the same time, too, I don't want to put myself at unnecessary risk. I know that I'm very important to my family, as you are to yours. And so if at all possible, let's uh, let's stay home. And listen, I know we're tired of staying home. I, I get that. I really do. And uh, we folks in Mississippi have had a lot more freedom to kind of move around our state and get out and go do some things that uh, perhaps some other people nationally are not able to do. But, uh, yeah, w- we love Mississippi State baseball. We believe this is going to be a great baseball team. And so we kind of look forward to seeing those boys on the field eager to see what's going to happen with this team and ready to get the season started. And, and before I get into the next topic, let me encourage you this too. There have been so many times in my life that we put together a great sports season. And I spend a lot of time kind of looking ahead. You know what I'm saying? It's like I can't enjoy the moment because I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, what's going to happen when we have that series against Arkansas? What, how are we going to do on the road against A&M? Ole Miss is coming in here. What are we going to do with them? Let me encourage you, take each game and each day one at a time. Let's enjoy every game we win, no matter who the opponent is, and let's enjoy this season. Because when you get to the end of it, sometimes you look back and think, man, I wish this thing never had to end. So let's enjoy the ride while we we have it. Let's enjoy this team every single time we put them on the field. Because there are a lot of people like that. I mean, it's like, you know, you work through this thing, and how many times do we see it? It's like, well... Yeah, we, we beat these guys, but we're going to have to play better in SEC play. And, yeah, we, you know, we, we swung the bats well, but we're not going to do that to SEC pitchers. Well, you're right. You're right. That's why we played a non-conference, though, is to kind of tune up and kind of find out, you know, who we can trust against SEC pitchers and hitters. And I think it's also important to remember, too, you know, we were just beginning to really find our groove last year when the baseball season got canceled, and that was kind of taken out from under us. Let's not forget all we've lost. And maybe that gives us a new, a new and fresh appreciation uh, for the fact that Mississippi State's going to play some baseball this year. And some of us will get to attend it. Not everybody will. I know those that, that can't are very disappointed with that. But no matter how you do it, no matter how you slice it, somebody's going to be left out. There are some people that have bought tickets and had season tickets for 20-plus years that are not going to be able to buy tickets this year. That's not anybody at Mississippi State's fault. I know you want to find somebody to blame, and I know that's, that's part of the deal. It's like, okay, I, I don't get them, but who can I talk to? Who can help me? You know, these decisions have already been made, and so your best chance is to try to probably buy some from a third party. And so hopefully this is a one-year deal, and then we can kind of move forward next year. You know, a lot of people are getting the vaccine, and perhaps, uh, perhaps we've got this thing on the run a little bit, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, we're all ready to go and ready to go see what, you know, what uh, C-Mac and Will Bednar and Sarantola is going to look like. Everybody we've talked to has told us that uh, Eric Sarantola looks better than he ever has. And there's talk about him being a first or second round draft pick. And if we got a guy like that going on Sundays, uh, that bodes well for the future. I've always felt like, you know, if you could be at least just at least 500 on Sundays and then get some production out of the third, the bottom third of the order, uh, you got a chance to win a lot of baseball games to contend for some really big things, and even Omaha. So if we've got Sarantola living up to his potential, 
you got a chance to really, really have a big year. So let's enjoy each and every ball game and not look ahead the next weekend or next month or whatever. Well, whenever we get to Omaha, we're going to have to do this better. That's why you played a season. That's why you played a season to prove yourself and to improve yourself and to kind of get ready to go for all that. Speaking of proving yourself, uh, many of you have taken the Bulldog Boneyard Burger Challenge there at Bulldog Burger Company, and uh, I've had several people that have said, you know what, Steve, I, I have ate them all, and I love them all, but these are my favorites, and these are my favorites. And other people say, you know what, I haven't been back enough. I don't, what happens is I get stuck. I find a burger that I love, and then I don't get to eat Bulldog Burger Company you know, every week like some other people do, and so... I go by when I can, and uh, I, I stick with what works for me. You know, Steve, you put me on the pimentology, add bacon, and I love it so much, I just kind of stick with that. Let me encourage you. Try some other things on the menu. There's so many great things there. I've told you guys before, the Bulldog Burger. That's the, Like, if you don't, if you're not sure what to order, that's the way you go. Get the Bulldog Burger. You'll be happy you did. A great restaurant-quality hamburger. But if you want something... Maybe a little more substantial. Let me encourage you to try the mission. I get the pico de gallo on the side. The pimentology I bacon is great. The Bryant is great. The Lauren is tremendous. It's tremendous. So check all that out. Go by, check them out. Two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. And I guess we have to talk basketball, don't we? The first thing that I'll say is, as you guys are well aware, the Sunday game... Uh, for the ladies scheduled at Oxford was originally moved up to 1 p.m. and then due to some travel concerns they canceled the game or postponed the game. Don't know when we'll make that up but uh, it'll be sooner rather than later because the season's almost over. So we don't have that to discuss. We do have an embarrassing loss to Vanderbilt to discuss. You know we talked on Monday of last week that you know what we had two winnable games and that this stretch could be the difference in our season and really be the difference in us getting to 500 or not. Well, we're at 500, it looks like, and uh, we're not going to stay there. It's, uh, it's really, really, it, it's very unsettling. So let's run through this game, and then I'm going to give you some, uh, you know, some Ben Howland history, shall we say, kind of look at some things that, uh, that are going to be of importance to you. And it's one of those things, too. It's like we all knew at the beginning of the year this was going to be a difficult year. And then we saw enough flashes to think, you know what, we might be better than we expected. I got caught in that same trap. And there is some up and down with younger players. But, you know, people have seen enough film of us now to kind of have an idea of what we do and when we want to do it and how to defense us. Vanderbilt absolutely comes out blistering from the three-point line, and it is a 15-point lead at the half. And let's be honest. The way that we play offense, I think everybody felt like the game was over at the half. It's, I mean, it's really ridiculous. We are so bad offensively. I mean, it, we, we are a boring brand of basketball offensively. We forced a lot of bad shots. I'm not going to be a broken record here. But, um, you know, we knew that Vanderbilt was, was an interesting matchup for us because we went up there to their place and, uh, you know, it took us a lot of effort to win that ball game. Uh, to give them some credit, though, they came out and were absolutely on fire from three. They shoot uh, 13 of 30 from three-point line and, and 9 of 12 from the line. Pulled down 36 rebounds and uh, out-rebounded us by nine. And we're, you know, we're a team that's supposed to have all the size, supposed to be the more physical team. Uh, they really beat us in every aspect of the ball game. Rebounding defense is about toughness. 
We don't have a lot of it. We, we just don't. And I'm, I'm going to speak very candidly today. I'm not going to sit here and carry any water for anybody. But things have to change. Things absolutely have to change. Vanderbilt gets uh, three players in double figures. We get one. Iverson Molinar had a really solid bounce back game, but Vanderbilt was determined that DJ Stewart was not going to beat him, beat them. They hold him to nine points, well beneath his average. He's three of ten from the floor. And and listen, some of that's some of that's on us, you know, as a staff. When you've got a guy that's a prolific scorer like DJ Stewart, you know, you gotta get some plays set up to kind of give him something kind of driving to the basket. You gotta set some things up to free him. Tolu Smith, seven points. Pulls down six rebounds. He's three of five from the floor. Uh, Abdullah Du, 21 minutes, one rebound, two personal fouls, a turnover, two blocks, one steal, just the four points. Uh, Quentin Post pulls down three rebounds. And you know what's interesting, too? Devion Smith tied for the team lead with six rebounds. You, your three leading rebounders are Iverson Molinar, uh, Devion Smith, and Antolu Smith. Uh when you got two cards out there helping, you think, oh, well, that's great, they're working hard. But um, that's kind of Abdul's gig, right? Javion Davis, who has been a disappointment. You know, he, he's a guy that transferred in from Alabama. We expected him to be uh, at least a rotation guy. He goes 10 minutes and pitches in one point, uh, pulls down a, a couple of rebounds, but uh, really has not been a contributor. Quentin Post, 15 minutes on 0 of 5 from the field, 0 of 3 from the three-point line. Three, three rebounds, zero points. Cameron Matthews been a defensive specialist, didn't even attempt a shot. You know, there's just not – you look at this stat sheet, and outside of Iverson Molinar, there's nobody you feel good about their effort on the offensive end. Just how it is. I don't know how any, how any planer to say it. We are just not a good offensive team, and there doesn't appear to be uh, any hope of turning that around. You know, this is a team, too, that I think really struggles – with leadership. You know, Derek Fountain started the ball game. You know, he's, he's kind of the, the darling of the moment. 17 minutes, two points. And again, with the freshman, there's going to be some up and down with that. You know, you put him in a starting lineup and, uh, you know, you hope he responds. But uh, listen, Vanderbilt watches tape too. I mean, Jerry Stackhouse won a lot of basketball games in his college and pro career. You know, they weren't completely oblivious to who Derek Fountain was. And they really did, you know, denied him an opportunity to get off. I thought their perimeter defense was pretty good. We're five of nineteen uh, from the three-point line. Twenty-two of fifty-two overall. It's it's awful. I mean, I mean, it is. It's absolutely awful. Fifty percent from the free throw line. We couldn't get to the line. Couldn't make it when we got there. Couldn't make the three. Couldn't play in the post. Eighteen points in the paint out of fifty-one. 18 points off turnovers, just three second-chance points, which goes to show you we're getting beat on the offensive glass. Ten points from the bench. Now, the score was tied twice. It changed hands three times, none in the second half, of course. We get outscored in the paint, give up more points off turnovers. Everything else uh, pretty much went Vanderbilt's way. And this is not a good Vanderbilt team, guys. <laughs> They're 6-10 and 10 overall and 2-8 of eight in the league. That's it. And they came to Starkville and they beat us by 21 points. 21. 21 points. The worst team in the SEC came into our gym 
and beat us by 21 points. And you can say, well, you know, Steve, we're kind of playing for next year. No, no, we're not. No, we're playing for this year. We're playing to get some quality minutes and kind of acclimate these guys to playing in a Southeastern Conference. But it's not like, you know, we're devoid of talent. That's the thing. It's so frustrating. So let's look at the schedule here, and, if, and let's, let's be honest with ourselves. There's not a game on this schedule you look at now and you say we're going to win. We are not a good basketball team. For a while I said, you know, we're not a bad team. Uh, we're a bad team now. We are, we're a bad team. Looking at the schedule here, you know, we, so the, we lost to Ole Miss. We lose at Bama. We lose at Tennessee. But we played pretty well in those two road games. So that was three conference losses. Then we lose at Arkansas. We blow that game. Had the big lead early. Couldn't hold it. We win it at a bad South Carolina team. And LSU comes in here. And then Vanderbilt comes in here and beats us. Uh, so you could do the math on that. What is that, five of six that we've lost in the SEC? You know, the one big win we've had uh, against Iowa State, against a team that uh, is awful and was missing some of their uh, best players when we played them. So here is what's left on the schedule. I know many of you are just saying, you know what, Steve, we're just, let's just go ahead and opt out of the season. We're going to be at Auburn this Tuesday. Then we'll be at Ole Miss on Saturday. I mean, honestly, do you think we're going to win either one of those games? I mean, Auburn has played really well as of late. Ole Miss, one of the hottest teams in the conference. And that's what—that's the, the miserable thing about it all. It's our guy up there. It's got them in the talk of making the tournament. They got a handful of quadrant one wins. Hey, it's a tip of the cap to Kermit. He's outcoached us, and there's no reason to think that, uh, you know, that, that they won't do the same when we go up there. They'll run that 1-3-1 against us and uh, pressure our guards and force somebody else to handle the basketball. Next thing you know, there'll be five seconds to go on a shot clock, and we'll stand around and hope something good happens, and we'll jack up an ill-advised shot, and there'll be a long rebound, and we'll give a fast break basket. That, that's, that's, that's the game. South Carolina comes in here, and you say, you know what, we went down there and beat them, so maybe we get them up here. Maybe we do. Then Alabama comes in, and then we go to A&M. A&M not a great team either. But you know what? There's not a game on the schedule you look at and say, you know what, we're definitely going to win that game. You know, the one you probably feel the best about is South Carolina. So let's say things go the way you hope. Uh, you're probably looking one and four down the stretch, which makes you a 12 and, uh, what, 12 and 15 team? Is that right? Yeah, 12 and 15. 12 and 15, 6 and 12 in the league. It's not going to get it done. It's absolutely not going to get it done. And so these are the kind of losses, like the, these losses to Vanderbilt, those are the kind of things that motivate donors. Those are the, peop- that's, those are the losses that motivate people that are emotionally and financially in- invested in Mississippi State basketball. It would be one thing if we had uh, you know, lost to LSU because they have kind of played beneath their potential much of the year. And then we bounce back and beat Vanderbilt uh, the way we should have. But teams that have good offensive guards give us a ton of trouble. We don't defend the perimeter. That's been a Ben Howen staple ever since he's been here. Uh, and that was the case on, on, on Saturday. Teams that can shoot from outside are going to beat us. And more times than not, they're going to kill us. Because we're not going to get out there and defend. And when we do, we over-pursue and then people beat us off the dribble, and then it's, uh, you know, it's a two-on-one game you know, beneath the rim there. 
But there's nothing to feel good about right now. And that's the thing when you begin to look at this thing and, and kind of break things down. You say, okay, what can we hang our hat on? Well, you know, Iverson Molinar's played pretty well at times, and DJ Stewart's played well at times. And then we've had somebody like a Tolu Smith will have a big game, and then he disappears for a couple games. Derek Fountain will have a good game. He'll disappear for a couple games. Abdullah Du is the guy that will alter a lot of shots, but he fumbles a lot of entry passes out of bounds or, or you know, turns the ball over. And so there's just nothing you look at right now. I mean, at least in year one, you thought, you know what, you know, with Malik Newman and, and Quindary Weatherspoon here, you know, we've got some building pieces for the future, and you can say, you know what, I think we'll be okay. I, I just don't think there's any optimism right now about Mississippi State men's basketball. Now, I said last year that this is going to be a very challenging year because of what we lost. And you, listen, you don't have to be Dick Vitale to know that, right? You have all those guys to clear for the draft. You know, all those guys hit the portal. And then, uh, you know, we get to sing the Rod Stewart Classic forever young because that's who we are. And some of that is our own mismanagement of the roster. It's not like we got to the end of a talent cycle and we, you know, won a couple of games in an NCAA tournament. We had a very talented and experienced and accomplished senior class leave. You know, we just keep running guys off and we make bad decisions in recruiting. We bring guys in here that can't play in this league. Prince Adoro had no business being here. Devin Stubbs had no business being here. I mean, and listen, I'm not going to sit here and throw shade at kids. They don't recruit themselves, and they'd be a fool to turn down an SEC offer. You get a chance to go play in the SEC? I get to go play at Rupp Arena? Yeah, let's go do it, man. I want to play against the best. Even if I'm not the best, I want to go out there and compete. And you get some guys out here that um, I don't know how they get offered. And it's lazy recruiting. It is. It's lazy recruiting. Anybody can go get those kids. Anybody. And you get guys in here and all of a sudden, you know, it's obvious they can't play. And then they're in the portal. I mean, it's, it, it becomes this repetitive cycle with us. And people say, well, and that's, that's the thing I heard last year from all of the, uh, you know, the resident college basketball expert it's not just us it's the game as a whole you know what I don't care about that I don't care about the game as a whole I care about Mississippi State that's what I care about well Steve that's the trend nationally on this one and done thing is ruining everybody you know what well then you got to do a better job recruiting because these kids that, that we have recruited that have hit the transfer portal are not one and done kids they're not two and done kids many of them are juco and done kids it doesn't make any sense to go recruit some of these players. And then we go out there and we don't have them, and then we complain that we don't have any depth. And then we process the kid out and he goes in the portal. And then the next year we're like, okay, we're having to depend on all these freshmen. Or we're having to depend on all these underclassmen. Well, yeah, we are because you, you, you recruited kids that couldn't play here, and then you ran them off. You processed them on out. And so it's not, you know – all right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comforts. No break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. 
It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's not the game of college basketball at a whole that's at fault here. It's Ben Howland. You know, I, I, speaking of Ben Howland, I did the math. The last two NBA drafts, and for, remember, Rick Stansberry could not get a guy drafted to save his life. I guess outside of uh, Lawrence Roberts and uh, Mario Austin, and a couple guys, Derek Zimmerman was drafted late. Um, Arnett Moultrie was drafted late. You transfer there. But we could not get a guy drafted for a while. There were several, we had some really good teams under Rick that, um, you know, we, uh, we had a lot of good college players that weren't necessarily pro prospects. And listen, there's only two rounds in a draft. We all know this, right? There's only two rounds. And so it's not you – know, you can win a lot of basketball games without having NBA draft picks. Rick Stansberry did it many years. There's a lot of mid-major teams out there that, uh, you know, go to the Sweet 16 occasionally and they don't have an NBA prospect on their roster either. But a couple years ago, we had three. We had three. NBA players and couldn't win an NCAA tournament game. We get upset in the first round. And I get a little de- tired of the people trying to defend that loss. It's a bad loss. It's a really bad loss. I said, we know, Steve, a 12-5 and five upset happens every year. Yeah, I get it, and I don't care about it. You know, I, I don't believe in, in voodoo. You go out there and you execute, you win a basketball game. When you got three NBA players, how many, how many NBA draft picks did Liberty have? I mean, let that sink in for a second. We had three. We had three. And they beat us in a game that we had to lead late and we choked it away because we didn't know how to manage a game. And let's run through here. Let's run through some, uh, some things here. I think it's important. To, let's just kind of look at where we've come from. Let's look at where we've come from. All right, so year one, under Ben Howen, we lose to Southern. Not Southern Miss, the Southern Jaguars of Baton Rouge. 76-72. Let's get a little deeper into this thing. We lose at uh, Kansas City, University of Missouri at Kansas City. They beat us by five at their place. We got blown out at Florida State, but that's a power five. You can kind of live with some of that. You get into conference play, and it takes you forever to win a ball game. I think, well, we lose our first five. We beat Ole Miss, started feeling good about ourselves. It wasn't a great Ole Miss team. 
but we ended the streak. And then we got hot a little bit late. We were a tough out. Had a good win against uh, Auburn there late. And then we get bounced out of the tournament in uh, game one against Georgia. But that was year one. And everybody said, you know what? I feel like we've got some good things going here. I'm, I'm bought in. Then Malik Newman leaves. And there was all this craziness. You know, he was going to transfer. It's like he, went, he was going to go pro. Then he pulled his name out. And he was going to return to school. And Horatio said, yeah, he's going to be a bulldog. And then he goes into the portal and then transfers. And uh, that's done. So then uh, year two under Ben Howen, we get blown out uh, against Central Florida, 86-61. We ended up losing to Lehigh, 87-73 in Starkville that year. We lose to East Tennessee State. And I'm sure we all tried to find a way to spend that as if uh, – whether the Blue Raiders were going to be an NCAA tournament team. And then you, you, know, you get into the, the conference and, uh, you know, you figure some things out. You play well at times, but, uh, you know, you get blown out at Ole Miss, and that never helps. You get into the SEC tournament, and uh, you beat LSU pretty good, and you lose to Alabama. So we won a conference tournament game for the first time in a while. But, again, some ugly non-conference losses. And that's one of the things that I keep – I've harped on this before. Ben Howen just doesn't have, you know, many signature wins in six years of being the coach. Yeah, he beat Auburn a couple times uh, when they were pretty good. But, uh, you know, went on the road at Louisville in the NIT. But let's be honest, a win in the NIT is not a signature win. We lose to Nebraska in that exhibition game we got to go cover. That should have been a harbinger of things to come. We get a little deeper in the non-conference schedule there in year three. We're rolling along pretty good. We lose at Cincinnati, but we don't feel bad about that because Cincinnati had a pretty good team that year. So we're pretty good in the non-conference and had a chance to win them all. And then the very first thing we do since our first road game is we go to Ole Miss and lose. And then we go on a three-game losing streak, bounce back to beat Vandy. And we go on another little bit of a losing streak. But, uh, you know, we figure some things out, but we lost some games we shouldn't lose. We lost at Missouri. Uh, we lost at Vanderbilt. And we lose to Tennessee. They're a bad matchup for us. We get blown out in Baton Rouge. We, and then we come back in the tournament. We beat them. And then we lose to Tennessee again. It was a bad uh, It was a bad matchup for us. And that was a great Tennessee team. And then we get into the NIT. And so we, we begin to kind of find some things. We beat Nebraska, right, team we played earlier in the year. We go win at Baylor. Then we go win at Louisville. And we think, okay, we're in the final four. We're going to go play at MSG. Went and played Penn State, and they absolutely destroyed us. It seemed like we were never really in the game. But at the end of the year, you look back and say, you know what, we took a solid step forward. 25-12 and 12 record. Uh, you finish 99 in the league, and uh, you get into the postseason and win a couple ball games there. And so, again, we're thinking, all right, now we're headed in the right direction. And I point some of these things out because I think it's important to realize that uh, even in the, quote, good years, we have had some really bad losses. That year, it was not really one of them. We lose to Arizona State in the Vegas showcase, and Arizona State, I thought, really played well that game. I remember the game. And uh, we could have won it, but it seemed like they got hot late and really kind of laid the lumber to us. Uh, we get Cincinnati back in a rematch, and we beat them at our place. 
we struggled a little bit, but we beat Wright State, and they were a team that uh, had won their conference a year before. And so we go through the non-conference schedule there in year four, and uh, there's really not a game you look at and say there's a bad loss. So you feel like, you know what, we've kind of turned the corner here. We're building upon that NIT Final Four finish. And a matter of fact, we get BYU uh, at our place, and that's a team that has, you know, has been up and down at times. We put 100 points on them, 103. Get into conference play, and as an annual ride of passage, we lose to Ole Miss again. And we get hot, and we, you know, we, we kind of back and forth a little bit. And then we, you know, we go to the conference play, and we feel pretty good about ourselves. And toward the end of the year, we're actually playing pretty well. We get a big win over A&M. We get to the tournament. We beat them again like a drum. And then we run into Tennessee again. And they get us. And, again, it's just a bad matchup for us. Admiral Schofield and those guys, just you know, more athletic down in the post. You just toss it down to them, let them go to work, and we just didn't have anybody to defend them. And then we lose against Liberty uh, at the, at the uh, first round of NCAA tournament. So you finish the year 23-11, and 10-8. So basically a similar year to the year before, except you get to the dance and, uh, and you don't win a game against an upstart G5 team. You know, it's, and there's all these basketball hipsters. Oh, well, Liberty's – no, 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 no. We're not going to explain that loss away and say, well, you know, we just happened to catch a you know, really hot team. Listen, I understand that the playing field is a lot more level in college basketball than it is in, in football. I, I get that. I understand that. It's not the same physical game. doesn't require the same uh, you know, amount of depth on a bench. We blew it. And it's time we own that. We blew it. We had three NBA players play in that game, and we lost to Liberty in the first round. There is no excusing that loss. There's no explaining that loss. There's no way that you can polish that up and make everybody feel like, you know what, this is okay. It wasn't okay. But you still felt like, you know what, we get Reggie Perry back. We get Robert Woodard back. We'll make a run the next year. And so let's take a look at that that year. <laughs> this is the stuff that just kind of blows my mind sometimes. I'll go back and look at it in hindsight. Uh, so we get into the non-conference, and again, we're playing pretty well. We lose to Villanova, but listen, Villanova was – a lot of people were expecting them to go back and really challenge, and uh, we really gave them a lot of trouble. We just couldn't finish. But I think we all felt like, you know what, maybe we have really turned the corner. Again, year three, we get to the Final Four of the NIT – we get to the tournament, and then all of a sudden, okay, now we've got some of our young guys have got their legs under them. Uh, they're ready to go. And then we come home and lose Louisiana Tech. Then we lose to New Mexico State and Jackson. Then we lose to Auburn, and it wasn't close. And we get blown out by Alabama. We lose to LSU. We start the conference 0-3. And remember, we're talking about we're building, we're building, we're building. Well, you know, this is what we talk about is every time that this basketball program does something to pull the fans in and get people invested, they rip the rug right off from under their own feet. We came out and just destroyed Missouri, beat Georgia, beat Arkansas. So now all of a sudden we're 3-3, three and three, feeling good about life. We lose to Oklahoma. I still think there was a bad call late in that ball game that cost us the game. But be that as it may, we lost the game. But uh, it was a competitive ball game. Uh, we beat Florida. We come back and beat Tennessee, our old nemesis. Kentucky, we go up there and play really, really well. We just couldn't finish. Kentucky beats us. So you get going, and then we go to Oxford and get blown out 
8358 then we uh you know we could come back and we blow all miss out and uh you know feel good about that but um you know the SEC tournament gets canceled and there's such a revisionist history about all this stuff you know and it's like for those that um for those that are very very anti Ben Howland there the ammunition is you say well we weren't going to make the tournament and then there are those that uh, are very pro Ben Howe, and I would say they're homers, and say, oh, yeah, we, we were in. Uh, guys, we were not in. You know, and it's all conjecture at this point. I think, and people forget, everybody back then said, you win one tournament game, you might get in. You win two, you're definitely in. We were going to have to play Florida in game one, and there's no guarantee that we were going to beat them. And Michael White's a good coach. We weren't going to beat Kentucky. It wasn't going to happen. We were not going to beat Kentucky. And so there's no way we'd ever really know. But when you go back and look at that schedule and you look at the fact that we had two NBA guys starting in our starting five and we were more athletic than we had been in a long time and supposed to be more balanced, you took a step back. And then you kind of get bailed out because them can't win the tournament in many respects. But – um and now here we are in year six, and you look at this year six and you think, oh, man, we're rebuilding. Well, we're rebuilding because we blew it up. And that's the thing that I get back to is, you know, Kentucky in the last two years, Kentucky's had six NBA draft picks. We've had three. Tennessee's had three. Vanderbilt's had three. There are a handful of schools that hadn't ha- haven't had any. So we are tied for NBA draft picks in the past two seasons in the SEC. And yet we don't have an NCAA tournament game to go for. And you can say, well, you know, Steve only played the one tournament. That's true, but I've got a full six years to work with here. We're not going to tournament this year either. It's not going to happen. And one of the things that I wonder about is, what do you, what do you think that the text messages from Robert Woodard and Reggie Perry to DJ Stewart look like today? What, what, do, you, what do you think? Because D.J. Stewart's name is being mentioned in some mock drafts out there as a potential first-rounder. I don't think he is a first-rounder at this point. I think he can be. I don't think he is at this point. But what do you think they're telling him to do? I mean, let, let me go ahead and prepare you for this. He is going to enter the draft. He may not hire an agent, but he is definitely going to enter the draft, even if for no other reason is to get his feedback. But there is a real possibility he didn't come back. And listen, if I listen, if I'm Robert Woodard and I'm Reggie Perry, you know, my loyalty's to my friend. And I'm like, oh, dude, you need to get out of there. You need to get out of there. You know, look at where you are. And what do they what do they make in the G League? Sixty five, seventy grand just to be in the minor leagues with the NBA. You know, you're nineteen, twenty years old, and all of a sudden we're going to put grown man money in your pocket, even if you don't make the the, uh, the, the NBA roster, but you're there if we have an injury or a trade or something, and, you know, we own your rights, and you, know, you can play professional basketball. I mean, do you really think Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard, if asked, would encourage DJ to come back? I wouldn't. I would not. Because look at what you're, look at what you're going to build around. And you say, well, you know, a dude's going to leave. That's true. Abdul will do will go over and play overseas and be a shot blocker and rebounder forever and a day, and, and he'll make some decent money. It's what he's going to do, and I wish him well. 
but there's not a lot to really build around. You can say, well, you know, we've got this young class, and that's true. It's true. But isn't that always the case? We're always talking about the next class. We're always talking about the next, oh, we got some really good kids in this next class. Why don't we ever have any great kids coming back that are going to carry the program forward? Those are the things that I ask myself. And like all of you, I'm tired of losing. I'm absolutely tired of losing. And, you know, I've said on the show most of the year that I believe that uh, Ben Howland will be back next year, you know, bar in a, bar in a total collapse or a scandal. Uh, we're on the verge of a total collapse. And, I, and, I, and literally, I think John Cohen's got some difficult decisions to make here. Now, in hindsight, you get to the end of the year and you can say, you know what? We lost a ton of players. We had a bunch of guys go pro. You know, if, let's just think, if we had had Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard this year, you know, would it be a better team? Well, absolutely it would be. Nobody gets better by losing two NBA players, except maybe Kentucky or UNC. But not if you're Mississippi State. If you have two early declaration guys for the draft, go in the draft, you're not going to get better. Because if you had guys equal or better to them, they'd been playing. And you could say, well, you know, Nick Weatherspoon would be back. You know, sometimes Nick was a bit of a detriment. An explosive player, but not always the best teammate. But at this point, there's nothing to feel good about about when it comes to men's basketball. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing to feel good about. There is nothing you look at and say, you know what, well, at least we have this. We don't really have anything. And it bothers me. It depresses me. I don't want to be apathetic about men's basketball in Mississippi State. And I know you don't either. That's why you gripe and complain and you say, I'm not even going to watch it. And it's not that you don't want to watch. It's you don't want to watch us lose. You don't want to watch bad basketball. You don't want to drive your family up here for a midweek basketball game to watch us go up there and go 2 of 18 from the three-point line. You don't want to go up there and watch us not get back on defense or watch us pick up our dribble in the backcourt or go up there and not relax and take a deep breath before we shoot a free throw. You don't want to see that stuff. There are so many problems right now that there's nothing to hang your hat on. Let's move on. Today's top ten list brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber. Dr. Yarber of the Ear, Nose, and Throat Physicians, the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. Listen, are you a person, too, that um, you get all hemmed up a little bit with a sinus pressure and those headaches that go along with it and they linger? You know what, Doc can help you with that. And you know what I'm talking about. You get up and you look in the mirror and you see those... uh, yeah, you see those bags under your eyes, you feel a little pain there, a little pressure, got a little congestion there, and it's like you just can't seem to shake it. Well, you give Dr. Yarber a call, and he's got two locations to help you right here on Stark Road. It's 910 Stark Road here in Stark Vegas, and then 618 Pegram Drive in Tupelo. Give them a call today. There's no point in suffering through this because, you know, listen, the over-the-counter medications, that's not, that's not going to help you. That might treat the symptoms for a couple of hours, but they're going to return because you haven't truly addressed the issue. Give Dr. Yarber a call at 662-844-6513. Again, that's 662-844-6513. That's Dr. Robert Yarber with the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. So in honor of uh, Snowmageddon, I put together a top 10 list of winter-type songs. Now, I don't know if you know the challenge that it is to put together a list about snow and winter that doesn't include Christmas songs, but that's what I did. Now, here are three songs that didn't make the list, and there's a reason for all of them, okay? Winter's Call from Badlands is an incredible song, 
but those albums are no longer licensed on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that. You can find it on YouTube. It is off the first Badlands album. It was, I believe, their third single. A phenomenal, phenomenal album. But Ray Gillen, God rest his soul, Ray acted very irresponsibly toward the last years of his life. And, uh, you know, and as a result, there are people involved with those record company licensing that they just don't want to, um, to license that music because of how Ray acted. And it's unfortunate that he did, but there's, uh, it's, the music is still available. I still have the hard copies. But uh, if you have that Badlands album, go check out Winner's Call. Also didn't put Trapped Under Ice from Metallica here. I thought it was a little bit macabre considering the circumstances we're facing with the storm. And then Love Like Winter from AFI. I just, I just wanted to get them an honorable mention. I, I didn't want to put them just on the list, but I did want to mention AFI. They were a really cool band uh, for a while. A little bit punky, I guess, for this list. And so I've got the, the songs in order here, 10 through 1, as always. But you know that I'm a you know I'm a rocker, right? And so this thing is gonna start kind of soft and introspective, and the list will kind of build and build and build towards some rocking stuff at the end. And so and I'm I know Roy right now is beside himself. Roy Samante is the guy that helps out with a Spotify list. Roy is beside himself today because a song from his favorite band has made the list. It's Winter in My Heart from the Avid Brothers. Roy is a huge fan. Seen him, I think, 30 or 40 times. Loves those guys. He even loaned me his DVDs, Blu-ray. And uh, and I haven't watched it yet. I, Roy, I'm sorry. I'll make some time. It's just been busy. But there you go. Winter in My Heart from the Avid Brothers. Number nine, Colder Weather by the Zach Brown Band. It is a great, great song. I'm from, I was familiar with it, and I got ready to look these songs up, and I said, I remember this tune. Great tune, colder weather, great harmonies. Number eight, and this is this is kind of a personal one uh, because I had this album and I love Ray Lamontang. It's uh, Winter Birds. It's a B-side, kind of a deeper track on that album. But Ray is such a uh, unique singer. I think you'll dig that. Number seven, from the White Stripes, making their top ten list debut, the White Stripes. I think Peg sings this one, In the Cold, Cold Night. It's a little bit different, but I think you'll have fun with it. Number six, Honoring a Mississippi Legend. And again, this is a bit of a transition song for us. We're going from, again, kind of some, you know, some more gentler type stuff. Now we're going to get into some blues a little bit. We're going Cold Weather Blues by Muddy Waters. Cold Weather Blues. We're all going to have them this week, right? The Cold Weather Blues. Then we get into the title track of Cinderella's second album, Long Cold Winter. So you see what we did there? We went from Muddy Waters, blues genius, to a blues song from Cinderella that kind of ushers us into some rock. And how could we have a song, uh, our top ten list about winter, without having Snow, hey O" from the Red Hot Chili Peppers? That's number four. That song has been on the, the uh, top ten list before. Number three, and I could have gone a couple different directions with here. I went with Snowblind. I could have gone with Black Sabbath. I elected to go with Sticks. It's a Tommy Shaw song. Uh, and I know a lot of you are probably, Steve, you know, you're supposed to be a rocker. You should have went with Black Sabbath. I just didn't know that we were ready for that. I just didn't think some of our listeners were quite ready for that. Number two is actually a cover song, but the cover 
absolutely destroys the original. The original sung by Simon and Garfunkel and its hazy shade of winter and the bangles and that beautiful, beautiful front lady, Susanna Hoffs. Oh, my goodness. Uh, she was incredible. I'll, I'll still walk like an Egyptian if you want to, Susanna. Give me a call. But Hazy Shade of Winter, that's from the Less Than Zero motion picture soundtrack. If you're not familiar with that, it's absolutely a bombshell of a soundtrack. It's got Going Back to Cali from LL Cool J. Uh, it's got Inagata De Vida uh, by, I guess, I think it was Slayer that, that re-recorded that. Um, and then you've got Rockin' the Monia and the Boogie Woogie Flu by Aerosmith and Hazy Shade of Winter. There's like four or five songs that were big hits off that album and it had a lot of range to it so maybe you check that out one day when you're looking for uh, something cool but number one and i think that's what we're all feeling today is cold as ice by foreigner so that's your number one song about winter so that's your snowmageddon top 10 roy will have that list up this morning you'll be able to enjoy that today many of you will be at home and i appreciate interacting with you all about music i have people to reach out and say you know what steve i've never heard this song before i dig this band i've gotten into them i've gotten deeper in the catalog Especially some of you young cats, you'll reach out and say, you know what? My parents listen to some really cool music, Steve, but I think you're cooler than my parents. And you know what? You're right. I am cooler than your parents. I was cooler than your parents then. I'm cooler than your parents now. But if your parents listen to Motley Crue and Rat and the Bullet Boys and people like that, your parents are probably pretty cool. Probably pretty cool. You probably did okay for yourself with your parents if they were listening to, uh, to heavy metal in the 80s. All right, so that's the list. If you have an idea for a top 10 list, reach out let me know. Happy to do it for you, and uh, I can't do them all. Sometimes you guys ask me to do things that I don't, I don't know a lot about, and uh, I don't want to disrespect anybody, but I will tell you this. We're going to do a country music legend on Wednesday, and I think this is something that everybody will love. That's what we're going to do on Wednesday. We'll do a country music legend on Wednesday, one of the greatest legends in the history of the Grand Ole Opry on Wednesday. Speaking of legends, stand a man over at Campus Bookmart, a living legend, a guy that wears, uh, you know, wears the short sleeve button-up shirt with a tie and can pull it off. I don't know that everybody can do that. Stan does. It looks good on Stan. It's kind of his signature. You need to go by and see Stan in, in all his glory with those short sleeve button-up shirts. I'm telling you, go check it out. And listen, when baseball season's cranked up, you can find Stan the man out in left field lounge because it's not just a job for him. It's a passion. They're happy to take care of you there. Stan, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Go by and see them and load up yourself on new maroon merchandise. But if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. You need to outfit the family mom because college baseball season's here. It's kind of snuck up on us. But it's time to get everybody loaded up with some new gear. Please go ahead and visit them today, campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash. The phrase, it pays. BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So while this basketball game was being played live, I was over on the, at the campus of uh, Thompson High School in Alabaster, Alabama, attending a 7-on-7 tournament. You know, and here's the deal. We have made a decision this year to really commit ourselves uh, to doing more of that type of stuff. We've hit the road. We've gone to some schools. We're going to some events. Uh, we've been to some combines. We've been to some 7-on-7 stuff. So there's a, there's a few reasons why. Number one, 
you know, in, in recent years, you know, we've had the Nike camps and the Under Armour camps, some of these independent combines that would kind of bring all the kids together in one place. And even if we couldn't make it, make it to those events, you got some objective third-party times. You got some objective third-party measurements. And so you had an idea, hey, if this, hey, this kid from Horn Lake, Mississippi, went to the Nike camp in Birmingham and tore it up. And so you're like, oh, I need to give this kid a call and see what's going on. Well, those events aren't taking place. Secondly, CBS Interactive, which is our parent company, uh, for their employees, the people that work directly for them, there is a travel, um, I guess it's a moratorium for them. They can't get out and go travel. And so they're not really getting out and covering these events. And so we, as a website, as a team, decided, you know what, since they're not having these Nike camps, but they are having these seven-on-seven events and these independent combines, and our regular 247 guys can't get on the road, well, we got to go do it. And so we're happy to do it, and uh, we're not complaining about it. We're just going out and and, uh, going and seeing players. And listen, that's what we kind of built the brand on. You know, there, there are a lot of other people that kind of, you know, they said, well, guys are good because I say they're good. Uh, and then they rank kids they never see play. I still don't understand how you do that. I don't understand how you rank a guy that you never see. And there's there's nothing that ever, ever, ever replaces seeing a guy play live, whether it be at a 7-on-7 event uh, or a, a high school football game. I prefer the Friday Night Lights, to be honest with you, because if we're going to play football, I want to see you play football. I've seen a bunch of these uh, Under Armour and Underwear All-Americans out here at a 7-on-7 that are scared to cross the face of a safety when it's time to on third and 17. Uh, but be that as it may, you know, you get out here and you kind of interact with the guys and talk to some of the seven-on-seven coaches. You find out who's got Mississippi State offers. You find out uh, from talking to the kids if they're serious about State. And you get to see these guys to, to see they're not really as big as they're listed more times than not. And sometimes you stumble across a player and you say, hey, what's going on with this guy? And a lot of guys out there you walk around and say, that guy looks like an SEC player. Let's find out what's going on with him. We had a chance to talk to some of those guys. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that kind of excites me, too, because there's so many players that you know about but you don't know. And one of those was Hornleg's Janoris Hobson. I knew about Janoris. I had to watch film on Janoris. I love his film. I thought he was a little bit shorter than he was listed, and it turns out he is. But he's going to be a slot receiver at Mississippi State should he like to come there. And he's exactly the hiding needs to be probably around 5'10". He was listed at six foot, probably around 5'10". Maybe in the helmet and the pads and the cleats, maybe. Maybe he's six foot. But we don't need him to be six foot. But if you watch his film, when they put him at the Wildcat quarterback position, you know, like in, in, in the red zone situation, he will run people over. He is a much stronger guy than most guys his size and age. This is a guy that's embraced the weight room. You also look at his film, too, and that's one of the things, too. I've been, I've been waiting this entire cycle, watching all this film of Mississippi kids. I've been waiting for a guy that would excite me by running away from the other players over and over and over again. Sometimes you see it. That's one of the things that I always, I always kind of share with guys early in, in evaluations. You know, a true SEC skill guy will not get run down from behind in the open field. It just doesn't happen. It may happen occasionally, you know, because maybe there's another SEC guy or DB on another team, and it's you know it's kind of uh, you know SEC talent on SEC talent. But when you see a guy that consistently gets run down from behind in the open field, it, it makes you raise question marks about his speed. 
That's not the case with Janoris Hobson. You go watch his film. I guess he's got six, seven, eight minutes worth of film over on Huddle. And you watch him. Even when they have the angle, he outruns them. When he gets in the open field, it's a touchdown. And I look at this and I say, you know what? This is an SEC guy. This is an SEC player. Is he a little bit undersized? Yes. Will that keep some people off of him? Probably. But his playmaking ability and the ease in which he catches the football and tucks it and gets upfield, it's very seamless, very athletic. He was the best offensive player at that 7-on-7 tournament. Hey, well, there's some other guys that showed some big moments? Absolutely. But Janoris Hobson was consistently the best player on the PPA team out of, out of Tennessee. Uh, met their coach, James, great guy, very fiery guy, wants those guys to win, wants those guys to have opportunities to play on the next level. Really pushes them to get better. It's not just, okay, let's hand everybody a T-shirt and run around and look cute and let me just collect your money. He wants those guys to win. And Janoris Hobson makes them, helps them win. And when they needed to make a play, he made it. And everybody on defense knew the ball was going to him, and yet he would still get open and make the play and move the chains. And then when they needed some juice, when the, whenever they needed to be reminded, hey, guys, let's go, it was him. He was the guy at the line hollering about, all right, let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's get going. Everybody calm down. we got to score here. And so not only is he a leader by example, he is a vocal leader as well. And you need some guys like that in the huddle, and you need some guys like that in the recruiting class. I believe he is going to ultimately choose Mississippi State. I talked to several people. Many of his teammates were like, hey, don't let him lie to you. He's going to be a bulldog. Now, I don't know what he's telling them privately, but he's not willing to say that on the record. He did tell me that he does plan to make a decision and then wait to announce later in the year. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he is a bulldog sooner rather than later. Also had a chance to speak to his dad. Tremendous guy. Tremendous guy. Very, very supportive of his son, as you would expect uh, people to be. But uh, came over and said hello, introduced himself, and, uh, and then messaged me later and thanked me for coming. You know, those are the kind of things that I don't think they speak well of me. I think it speaks well of his dad. You know, people that appreciate you making the effort to go over there and, and see them. And listen, nobody from our network had seen this guy play. Well, tomorrow I'll be filling out an evaluation for him and saying, hey, you need to look at this kid. And uh, here's what I think he should be ranked. I think he is a very, 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 very high three-star probably 88, 89. I don't think he is a four-star. I think his size probably prevents him from being a four-star. But I think that he is a guy, you know, with some upward mobility because with good senior film, I think maybe, maybe he slides in late. I think there is a little bit of room there. And not to mention, you know, he's still got some time to grow. But I loved his game. I love his attitude. He is a, a very, very, very competitive guy, but not in a negative way. You know, some guys out there are just jerks. You know what I'm talking about. You've all played with those guys where, you know, they, they kind of talk down to other people. And I didn't get that from Janoris at all. He kind of talked other people up. You know, he's like, let's, you know, let's go. Let's go get it done. And then when one of his teammates scored, you would have thought he scored. And so it's like he is a team first guy. Incredibly impressed with him. Uh, the best defensive player that I saw is a guy that Mississippi State just recently offered, Tyler Woodard, out of Freedom Prep there in Memphis. And uh, looked like the most college-ready player on any team, uh, with the exception of maybe there's a couple there's a couple twins from Tennessee that uh, are on the dream team. There's probably a handful of guys up there you look at and say, you know what, those guys are bona fide SEC guys. But that's 
Tyler Woodard too. And to be honest with you, I thought Tyler Woodard looked a little more athletic than those guys. I think those guys probably end up playing backer. Tyler Woodard is a guy that will definitely be a safety. Uh, Final four right now, talking about an early decision. And what's interesting too, I know other people say, well, you know, we just offered and he's ready to decide. Maybe we're kind of late to the party. And that's true. That happens a lot. But Mississippi State has some connections with the staff there. And Tyler Woodard really wasn't ready to decide until he got that offer from Mississippi State. So I'm not ready to call that one just yet, but I think it's fair to say Mississippi State's in the mix there. He's a guy, too, that's really kind of getting up to speed because he had problems with his cell phone. Nobody could get a hold of him. you got college coaches DMing you, but you can't check your Twitter because your phone's broken. Well, he's got that rectified now, and so there's a lot of people that are in touch with him, and now he's kind of getting a true sense of what his value is as a prospect. Mississippi State top four, I guess, with him and Oregon and uh, Tennessee and South Carolina. I believe that's the four right now. We'll see how things progress. But uh, Mississippi State very much in the thick of things there. And, again, looks like a college player. You know, a lot of these guys you look at and say, you know what, well, you're in a weight room, they'll put 15, 20 pounds of muscle on, and then they'll look like a college player. Uh, Tyler Woodard looks like a college player right now. Also had a chance to see Cody Jones, safety prospect out of Germantown, Tennessee, recently committed to Michigan. Not quite what I was hoping to see, um, but a a very great prospect. He uh, was kind of battling through a hip injury, and so I don't know that we saw him at his best. But uh, they basically had a safety kind of lined up against one of the top receivers in the 2023 class. And so he's trying to play some press coverage, and at times he won, at times he didn't. But I think you're kind of asking him to do some things that perhaps really isn't in his wheelhouse, especially with a, a hip that's kind of flaring up on him some. But, uh, yeah, he's a good player. And uh, wore his Michigan toboggan out there and kind of running around and, and uh, did a good job. You know, I, I want to see him when he's healthy. And I know Mississippi State is continuing to recruit him despite the fact that he recently committed to Michigan. Uh, I think that is one that is probably not over for a long time. I think that he is one that is going to continue to be recruited and it's obviously it's just February, so nobody's going to back off of him. I do think he is a power five safety. I'm, I don't think he's a corner. I just, I mean, and again, maybe you know, the first time you see a guy and you don't know that he's hurt, and you know, maybe one of the reasons he wasn't quite as quick twitch as he normally would be is because of that bad hip. Because after that game that we saw him play, the, the, I guess the second game, uh, he withdrew from the rest of the tournament because his hip was kind of flaring up. That cold weather was giving him some trouble. And so I don't want to judge a guy too harshly when he's not at his best. And I listen, I know football, everybody's always injured. But listen, you know, we're, we're right here in the middle of February, uh, you know, and he's kind of had this nag and hip issue for a while. And so once he gets up to full speed, 100% health, I, I'd love to see him play again. Got a message from uh, our mutual friend, Brooks Bryan, over the weekend. Uh, listen, you guys know Brooks is a friend of mine. Brooks is a friend of yours. You guys have done a good job kind of keeping the folks at Portico moving. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to let you guys know, too, if you're looking to make that move to Portico, you need to kind of consider making some, some, uh, some plans here pretty soon. Here's an update. On that first phase of construction we talked about, the first 18, a dozen of those 18 already gone. Only six houses left for sale in the first phase of construction. And, you know, with all that's gone on, phase two has been pushed back a little bit, a little bit. But they're starting, you know, dirt work and stuff like that and, and road construction out there. And that's all going to start late spring, May, June, somewhere like there. And so if you're looking to make the move to Starkville and you want to be part of the newest 
community in our area, then you need to make a call. And if you're wondering, okay, well, Steve, that all sounds great. Listen, I'd, I'd love to have some new neighbors. I'd love to have a new place in Starkville. Maybe I want a weekend getaway, a place that I can go and just kind of uh, relax a bit and go to ball games and not have to pay, you know, you know, get a hotel and that sort of stuff. It's our place, and we can just kind of celebrate Mississippi State there. Uh, Portico is going to be the way to go. It's off uh, Garrett Road, or uh, Garrett Road right off there by the uh, Chrysler Jeep dealership. It's very, I was just there the other day. It's 1.1 miles from campus, very, very easy access to 25 and 82. I mean, let, and let me just give you guys an example. Okay, so like if you're coming off of, you know, you pass LaKenton, all that stuff there, you're going to make a turn right there behind the dealership on Pot Station Road. That's going to take you right to Portico. That's where it is. That's where it is. I mean, it's like you come off of 82 and, and you, you make the turn there and uh, boom, there it is. I mean, it's right there. It's so convenient. And so Brooks is – listen, Brooks wants to give you guys more information. If you want one of those six houses, and you should have some urgency about that. If you've been kind of thinking, okay, we want to make a move to Startville this spring, you're going to find your options a little more limited if you wait. Give Brooks a call today, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Be sure you ask him about Richard Lee. Say, you know what? Give me your best Richard Lee story. All right, let's get into some recruiting stuff. Uh, over, the, you know, Friday night, you know, we're thinking we're kind of settling in, and uh, we were kind of panicking a little bit because we got word that uh, Jeterius Elam was getting ready to commit. Jeterius Elam, former Greenwood High School standout, now at Greenville Christian School, but was told, hey, you know, it's probably going to happen Saturday. What happens Friday night, and uh, we get it done. And uh, we get him on the get him on the phone. Paul Jones has a story, but a scouting report up. I'm a Jeterius Elam fan, and I, I said that from the very beginning when I watched this film. And look, granted, he doesn't have a lot of junior film out there, and so we're just kind of basing it off sophomore film. But if you saw him, how physically impressive he is, and he, he is being recruited as a corner, and he is north of six foot. He's got great length. He's going to be a guy that's difficult to throw over. He, to be honest with you, he looks like a little bit thicker version of Martin Emerson. Similar build, but a little bit thicker uh, coming out. Uh, really like him, and of course, he's a guy too that uh, you know is connected to some other players there in the Delta that Mississippi State's recruiting. Uh, I think Jatarius Elam is a very good early get. Mississippi State now has three commitments towards the 2022 signing class, all three of them from the great state of Mississippi. Jacarius Clayton from Tupelo, who I expect to play offensive tackle, maybe guard, we'll see. And Dakota Gooding, running back slash athlete slash center fielder slash do everything athlete out of Canton Academy. And now you add Elam to the mix. And I believe you're about to see State go on a little bit of a run here. You know, maybe give it a couple of weeks, but I think you're going to see some things happen here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, one of the guys that we're really watching close is Trent Singleton. Trent Singleton out of Raymond High School, grew up a state fan. Uh, believe it or not, it's really between Mississippi State and Memphis right now. He's still kind of figuring some things out. State offered, and, uh, you know, state's kind of where he wanted to go. And so you know, it's just some of these young guys, too, they don't know how to go about the process. You know what I'm saying? It's like they always see everybody else do it, and they think it looks so easy. And then all of a sudden you have all these coaches recruiting you, and it's difficult to tell somebody no. That's where your coaches kind of have to hold their hand a little bit and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's how you need to do this. Don't you want to be a bulldog? Yes. Okay, well, here's what you got to do. 
Once you put it on Twitter, all those guys are going to understand they're going to go away. Trent Singleton's a guy that, uh, you know, plays quarterback, would probably be a safety at Mississippi State. I really like his game, too. I'm eager to see what he develops into. Uh, he's an explosive guy, really is. I think you're going to be excited about him. And then um, uh, Khalid Moore from Poplarville, we've talked about him some on the show. Listen, I, I like what I'm hearing about him. It's kind of been trending Mississippi State's direction for a while now. Ole Miss recently offered – Maybe that slows the process down a little bit, but I think Mississippi State's Matt Brock has done a great job uh, with Khalid, let him think, you know, this is, hey, this is where you belong. This is how you fit in our scheme. I think it is really a matter of time. It, it might not be this month. It might not be next month. You know, Ole Miss might make things interesting for a while, may drag this thing out. But I do think ultimately he is going to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. I think he is an incredible linebacker. I think, you know, he is a guy, too, It's kind of a DN slash linebacker. And that's one of the things, too, you know, last year we kind of struggled to find you know, linebackers in the state at times. Uh, and two years ago we had a couple linebackers in the state, Derek Hall and Kobe Dean, that really didn't give us a lot of love late. We didn't get an official visit from either one of those guys. You got two SEC linebackers in your state. You don't even get an official visit. That's a disaster. Well, this year, you know, you've got a handful of linebackers I think you can feel really good about. You know Stone Blanton's the number one guy. You feel really good about him. J.D. Stewart's got it. He's a pretty good player as well. Uh, you throw in Tanner Bailey, and there's you know Deshaun Scott's another guy that's out there. And so there's a handful of these linebackers out there that's kind of running around. There's a kid at Crystal Springs. And that's the fun part of this process. As you guys have heard me say before, you know, it's like there's always a new small community that pops up. You know, when's the last time we had a true SEC guy at Popperville? When's the last time we had a true SEC guy at Crystal Springs? When's the last time we've had a true SEC guy at Raymond? You know, and so it's like everything is kind of cyclical. You, you know what you're going to get with Horn Lake these days, right? I mean, Horn Lake's a new program that uh, has really grown by leaps and bounds in the last few years, and so you kind of expect them to, to have a player or two every year, a Division One type guy. But that's the fun part about it is, you know, that you get some of these – you know, high schools that, uh, you know, go a few years in between prospects and next thing you know, a guy pops up. And, you know, how many people do you think have really heavily recruited Raymond, Mississippi? I mean, do you think that LSU and those guys go into Wiggins and go to Stone County High School? And do you think they're going to West Marion? You know, that's where you build relationships. you got to go see those schools even when they don't have a Division One player, an SEC guy. you still got to go in there. And make make nice with the coach. I give Dan Mullen a lot of credit for that. You know, he he made a commitment to that that his coaches were going to be in every high school in Mississippi twice a year at a minimum. They were going to be in there in the spring, and they were going to be in there when it was winter recruiting. They're going to go out and go to their area high schools and go by and say hello and shake hands and and look at kids and you know and do what needs to be done. And that's what we kind of built a program on. That's what Mississippi State has been built on, is these small-town kids that come in here and develop. I like what I'm hearing about the class right now. Now, you need to go ahead and get prepared. There are so many kids in the class this year. There are going to be a lot of kids in Mississippi State that's going to take, and there are going to be other kids that maybe Ole Miss takes that State doesn't offer, and vice versa. There are going to be kids that State takes that Ole Miss doesn't offer because there are just so many kids this year. Some people are going to say, well, how good can he be if we're the only SEC offer? Well, he's an in-state kid, and uh, he's tucked away in some little hamlet that's under-recruited. You know, at some point you just got to go look at the film yourself so you know what's kick and play. And so there's going to be a lot of that because there are so many kids. I mean, again, I think there's a real chance that we have 40-plus kids 
uh, that signed Division One. I. I mean, there's already 25 kids in the state of Mississippi that have an SEC offer. It's ridiculous to think about that. Everybody wants to talk to you about the class of 2019 that was so incredibly top-heavy. And I'm telling you now, we're going to look back in five years and say, man, what a bust that class was. Yeah, there's some headliners out there making some plays, but there are as many headliners as there are kids in the portal already. It's a different day and time. A name to watch, Tanner Bailey, quarterback out of Gordo High School in Alabama. We had hoped to see him this Saturday. He didn't make the trip. He's had a little bit of a back injury, and the cold weather would only, do, you know, would only aggravate that. I'm told Mississippi State is in touch with this guy, you know, four to five times a week, and Mike Leach is now really kind of coming on strong here and making Tanner Bailey feel like a priority. He says the four schools that are really making him feel like a priority are Oregon, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi State. Uh, I don't think that uh, Alabama's going to take him. I, I really don't. I think that Alabama probably has a good idea what they want to do. I think they're waiting to see what Ty Martin is going to do, and then they'll adjust from there. Uh, they could surprise me and take Tanner Belly, but I think they're I think that they're probably going to take another guy. And I don't I don't think Tanner will be a part of a two quarterback class. I know Michael Leach has really ratcheted things up with him. I, I I think we'll see a commitment from Tanner Belly before the spring is over. You know, there's a lot of dominoes dropping now with quarterbacks. You begin to see that, and that's what happens. The quarterbacks always go first. You really don't want to be taking a quarterback in December. You really don't. You want to get your guy in the spring and help him be the drawing card and kind of build around. As Dan, as Mike Leach did last year with Sawyer Robertson and Daniel Greek, you get those guys early and then you kind of have them working for you. you got to have some guys out there building that esprit de corps within your recruiting class. And so I think Tanner Bailey is, is without a doubt, the premium target right now at quarterback. His brother is in school at Mississippi State now. I believe Tanner attended three Mississippi State games this fall. He's a guy that spends a lot of time over here, comes over and watches baseball, comes hangs out with his brother. So there are some relationships he has already kind of begun to build here that perhaps he doesn't have at some other places. Now, I have been told Joe Moorhead's done a good job with him uh, trying to get him to go to Oregon. I don't think he goes up there. I think he stays in the south. But I like what I've heard about Mississippi State, but I'm not ready to pull the trigger yet and – uh, put a crystal ball pick or anything like that. But I think Tanner Bailey is a name that you guys need to really, really pay attention to. Paul Jones has talked to him. Uh, had a great story with him early on. Gene's talked to him. Um, Mitch has talked to him. And so this is the guy that's uh, not reluctant to do media interviews, and that's another thing, too, that excites you, too. He's a quarterback. He needs to be kind of the face of this class. And so that's one to really watch. That's one I think you look at right now and you say, you know what? Who does Mississippi State want at quarterback? I believe it's Tanner Bailey. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. I appreciate your support of the show. And uh, so many of you reach out and say, Steve, we'd love to support you. The best way to support me is to subscribe to jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports, CBS Interactive, and go to alphadogsbook.com and order some books. Get signed copies for you, your loved ones, and everybody else. You can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs at alphadogsbook.com. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you should be, you probably wish you had a Stark Villains hoodie right now. But you go to StarkVillains.com, and they'll get you taken care of. Again, at StarkVillains.com. Well, that's it for me today. You guys be safe. Uh, take care of one another. And uh, hopefully we'll be back on Wednesday. Hopefully we're not without power or anything like that. But uh, even if we are, I'll do my best to figure some things out. But um, you guys be safe. Stay off the roads the best you can. Hope the uh, the best for you and all of your families and that you have no 
property damage or loss of life or anything like that. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.